they're taking the All right, so we're going to continue our discussion in grace, and I've got the words prevening grace and cooperating grace. It's two types of grace, and actually the Bible does teach these two things. So we're, those are the fancy words, but the Bible doesn't say those fancy words. means before. And we're, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So what we're going to look about, what happened in the Garden of Eden with grace. And so... I know we've talked about the Garden of Eden in here before. And, you know, what? Like the gum wrapper going off a church, you know, just, just do it. <laughs> they're going real slow and they're making more noise going slow than anything. Just do it. Um, perfection in the garden. Nice place. Fruit everywhere. You didn't have to work. And it was paradise, and sin enters the world, and they disobey. Give me the Reader's Digest version of Genesis, you know. But And God had said something to Eve, said the day, or he said to Adam and Eve, to be quite honest, he said, the day you eat from that tree, you will what? You will die. Well... They didn't know. And, well, do we also believe it was physically, too? Were they immortal in the Garden of Eden? That's, that would just come up, that's the cool thing about church. You know, you, you're going one area, and then the questions popped up, and you go to another. Were Adam and Eve immortal before the fall? Before. But he still died. Were they were they going to die at some point if the fall had not happened, or were they going to live forever? Mm-hmm. Eh, that's what I was about to say. We really don't. now. If I mean, there's arguments on both. You know what? Mm-hmm. And and you got to think. Eventually, heaven is coming to earth, and we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Marriage to you is heaven on earth. Like you had to redo it. But the question is about Adam and Eve. Were they going to live forever? So when he created Adam and Eve, he already knew he was going to go to the cross. Yes, he did. But if if he was if him going to the cross was to restore, but then he already created. then he would have restored back to. God didn't know they were going to mess up. Oh, he knew they were going to mess up. The Bible says from the foundation of the world, he, before the foundation of the world, he, he was slain before the foundation of the world, but he knew he was going to go to the cross before the world was ever created. He knew Adam and Eve were going to sin. And that, that's, see, we're, 
we're we're trying to grasp our minds around a concept like we're God. God does not have our mind. He knew but gave free will. You know, it's it's uh, to go back to the original question. I kind of wonder because he does. The Bible does say the last enemy that shall be defeated will be for will be death, and death is is always coupled with sin. So sin brought death. I think maybe even a physical death too. Uh, I'll get if I get to heaven and find out that's not true. It's all right. I think I still get into heaven. Uh, I think that the sin not only did kill them spiritually, but I think it began the process of our bodies begin to age and lead to death. Death is an a- death is an aspect of sin. It's a result is a consequence of sin. So if there was no sin before, was there going to be death? That's an interesting question to just put forth before everybody. Now, once again, God through His foreknowledge knew everything that was going to happen when He was going through the garden. He knew what they'd done. You know, otherwise He wasn't God. You know. Oh, man, this caught me by surprise. I didn't know you guys were going to actually eat from the tree. (laughs) I didn't know you were going to do it. And so so that led us down that path. So he says, if you went today from you, and yes, you're right, spiritually. uh, And Satan comes along and says, your eyes are going to be opened up. Whereas there was probably some truth to what Satan said to them. They suddenly realized grace. Sin, good, evil, blah, blah, blah. But it, there was bad consequences that came with that, that he did not spell out. And so, eat, eat, sin, God shows up and kicks them out of paradise. So, how does grace start fitting in into this whole picture now? He kicks them out and says, you got to leave paradise. You're going to start mowing your grass you're going to start weeding your garden you're going to start you know in pain you women will bring forth children and and things like that so all of a sudden we came from these creatures of quote-unquote perfection to fallen creatures a lot happened at that moment and suddenly god kicks them out of the garden and they're sort of on their own but they're not on their own Grace suddenly changed. There was grace in the garden because I just give you everything that you need. And that was sort of a grace, but grace kind of changed after that because all of a sudden they became even more dependent on grace, but they became dead in their sins. Make sense? So we get to this point of preventing and cooperating grace. Whereas when you're, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, well, I'm going to stand by Mike if you'll let me. Jack, why do I call you Mike? Because your last name, Mice. Jack, he's God, I'm Adam. I mean, we're like, hey, how you doing? Easy. Easy. Now, if Jack were at home today, and I'm, you know, he texts me, hey, I'm not coming, I'm communing with him, but it's not the same. If I'm in the, but just now I'm sitting next to him. There's a huge difference with that. I have a cousin in California I haven't seen in 40 years. Maybe, yeah, about 40 years. I know her. I know about her. I know some of her qualifications and personality and things like that. But I see faith every day in person. So there's a difference. 
So the grace switched from God just saying, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You don't have to grow it. You don't have to work it. You don't have to do it. You just sit around and just do whatever you name the animals, hippopotamus, giraffe, all those kind of things. You're good. That is a grace. But then when they sinned, he said, mm, that deal's gone. Kicks them out, says, now you got to work the field. Now you, when you have children, it's going to hurt. And your desire is going to be for each other, for dominance and things like that. Suddenly grace changes. And they don't even realize it. So we got this word up here called prevening grace. Now, that's a weird word. But what prevening grace means is the, it's the grace before you even realize you need grace. Uh, cooperating grace is the grace you got once you, you realize that you need God's grace and it's working in your life, you're cooperating in it with the get saved. But there is a grace before you even realize you knew it. Go ahead. She's like, I'm going to go move into this house or whatever, but she doesn't realize what is involved in the house, mowing the lawn, fixing everything, all that kind of stuff. So my prevening grace with her was, okay, I'd already made plans to give her my refrigerator. She didn't have a refrigerator and a washer and dryer, and I was just going to upgrade mine so that I made arrangements for that. So that with prevening grace, this is, and we kind of touched on this at the end of our last class several weeks ago, is that even before you realize you need Jesus, the Holy Spirit's working on you. That's the grace. That's what we call prevening grace. It is the fact of when Chris is, before Chris is saved, he's living in his sin, he's dead in his trespasses, and let's say the Holy Spirit decides to bring a Christian to work next to him. That's prevening grace of beginning the process. Cry, because people look at it, and I was using that particular terminology, I've heard that God kind of kicks them out of the garden. People go, well, that was mean of them. But understand, every the grace becomes prevening grace for everything after that. God is reaching out to Adam and Eve, trying to say, I'm still here. I still want you to give your lives to me. And when you go out there, and because... You really, we kind of kind of wonder what happened immediately when they sinned, how the world did change for them. I always want to describe it as before it was color TV, high definition colored TV. And when they sinned, suddenly the world became black and white from the 1950s television. Does that make sense? To where this, it was, you know, when you're covered in the, in the glory of God, and sin comes in and God says, nope. And suddenly you go, you. You know, you kind of went, rats. Suddenly the grace changes to where God is just, remember I talked about the annoying love of God to where he just, he, he's just reaching out. Think of the worst person in your life that you can't stand the most. Believe it or not, the Holy Spirit is using prevening grace on them. The same prevening grace that worked on you. It was before. And it, it, why is this so important? Because this was a very controversial topic in the church, first couple centuries of the church. It was, it was actually because there was a na man named Pelagius. 
who came out and said, and this is why this is important because you guys are going to realize this sudden, his belief was that there was no prevening grace, that we earned cooperating grace. Cooperating grace is once you realize, man, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I need something. So I'm going to accept Christ and I'm going to become a better Christian. That's cooperating grace. That's the grace God's giving you to live a good life. He said, fine, I can live with that, but that's earned before you become saved. And it, it and he said, there is nothing that in, in order for you to get God's intentions, uh, attention, you have to do this, do this, do this, do this, and then you get his attention, and then he gives you his, you earn his grace. Sandra just does everything so right. She gives up smoking. She gives up cussing. She gives up dating people who do. You know, she's just going out there, and, and then God says, you know what, I really like Sandra. She's doing it right. Guess what, Sandra, I'm going to invite you to join our club. You know, like sometimes you, you, you know, clubs that are to be joined, you know, you got to do certain things. Like, well, we don't want that person. They don't do things right. That person's doing something right, so we'll invite them. That's what Pelagius said grace was about. It said the merited earning of grace. So for you to get the gift of grace from God, you got to be a good person. And then when you become a good person, he opens your mind up to salvation and you do it. And you, but here's the thing. The, the, the early church was doing all those councils and all those meetings to fight Pelagianism. And because what Augustine, who was fighting him so much, said, no, everything about us is grace. Man can't do anything good on his own. You put it in front of us, we're going to mess it up. There is just no way. Well, we, we, have a good, we have a good heavenly father. Right. And, I, and I'm comparing that thinking of my little granddaughters when they come over to the house. Well, they are perfect. <laughs> I, I I don't wait for the, the two-year-old I'm not going to fix her any lunch until she can say to me I'm hungry, Gigi no, I'm, I'm already planning or I'm, I'm not waiting for her to go outside in the cold and then come back and say, oh it's cold, can I have a coat no, I am prevening and cooperating because I'm a good, I'm a good Gigi you know what I'm saying, and, Let's look at Ephesians 2. This is where Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're dead. So, I mean, there's no ability to even do good on your own if you're dead in trespasses and sin. It says, In which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working, son of the sons. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So that's painting the picture, kind of like after the garden. You're dead in your trans trespasses. I mean, there's just nothing good about you. If there's anything good, it's by the gift of God, too. I mean, even, you know, sinners can do some good things. But basically, we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. Here's verse four, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, uh, boy, I need to wear my glasses, 
we were made alive, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I have my glasses there. I'm just lazy to get them. And raised us up with him. I'm going to get them because it's getting really harder and harder to read. All right, let me start over. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm going to skip that. Uh, For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So, I mean, that's the main scripture they used against Pelagius. Just saying, we were dead. We were walking, we were walking according to our lust. We were walking according to the ways of the world, according to the prince of the air. All those things. There was nothing in us that was pointing us to God except by his prevening grace. The Holy Spirit. Jack, come on. Jack, come on. Or putting someone in Jack's life. A Christian to come sit next door. All those. I mean, I don't know everybody's salvation stories in here. But you hear some great salvation stories about, man, I just put me at work at this desk next to a Christian. And you know, they start telling me about Jesus. That's not an accident. That's a great example of prevening grace where God, Holy spirit says, Jack needs Fred to come sit next to him or, or, or where someone in Jack's life gets saved and tells him about Jesus and shows him the example of a Christian and things like that. That's prevening grace. That's, God preparing us before we even realize sometimes that we need him. But Pelagius fought it tooth and nail. Why is that important? Because even now today we have Pelagianism in a lot of our churches. Gotta earn it. It's merit. Even to the point, and I I go back to and like I said, I think I've mentioned this person before, but years and years and years and years ago, before the present pastor there was an evangelist that came and preached here and was preaching on healing and saying before you we're we're gonna we're gonna have prayer for healing but before you do that i'm gonna tell you guys you got to get out this out of your life you gotta start doing this you gotta start doing this before god ever heals you that was pelagianism being preached right there because even healing is a gift unmerited by us from god it's all unmerited. We, take the best thing you've ever done in your life. Best thing you've ever done. Still not good enough. Still not good enough. I always find someone better than you. Everything is a gift of God. Healing in that situation, which just really drove me crazy hearing this guy preach this way. Because I've seen some rascal people <laughs> get healing like that. And I've seen some people who from our man point of view, man, they're living a good Christian life and they don't get hilly. Well, if, if at some point it's earned, then that creates a sense of entitlement within us. Ooh, my wife's good. We didn't discuss this beforehand, by the way. That's where he was talking about it is a get grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works. So that what? No one can boast. Ever been part of a legalistic church? It's all boasted, <laughs> isn't it? Well, you know, what could 
Jack wearing blue jeans over there to church, and Chris wearing I'm oh, I'm wearing black jeans. <laughs> I've never worn jeans to church, and stuff. It, it does become a boast. Legalism is about boasting, is it not? For those of you who've been to legalist church, am I right? It it is about merit. There there is a link between legalism and Pelagianism because it is about merit. God's going to well. Uh, Prosperity gospel is Pelagianism. Did you know that? If you do this, you do this, you do this, God will give you money. It's all based on merit. If, my brothers and sisters of the Lord, you send a seed offering to me, you plant that seed, God will triple. He will reward you because you planted that seed into my ministry be sure you write that check to my ministry that you plant that don't plant it in your church's ministry plant it in my ministry you plant that seed and god will reward you because of that that's pelagianism because what it says for order you for god to bless you you got to bless me and that's merit and you've got all these poor people who are guilted into well, let me give my last check here's my social security check brother jack you take it to your ministry because i want to merit god's love for me there is no merit remember that person you can't stand most in the world whether they're saved, let's assume they're not saved. They either are saved. But they're not saved. You were just as much dead in your trespasses as they are now. And God's grace is a gift, not by our workmanship. That's, so when that guy was getting up saying, you know, well, you know, the reason why you're not getting healed is because um, you buy lottery tickets. Quit buying lottery tickets, God will heal you. That, put, that puts a lot of power in the hands of us. I actually think it's kind of witchcraft when you think about it. If I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. Therefore, this makes God do this. Do you know how that that is spiritual pride right there? That I can control God. You know. <laughs> got him kicked out of heaven you know it, it completely ignores prevening grace because it says it's not up to god it's up to me and if i give a thousand dollars to brother jack's ministry then god has to give me three thousand dollars in return or if you know uh even to the point to where i've got to do everything just right if i mess up one instance god's going to withhold all these things no god says I mean, come on, let's face it. When we give gifts to our kids, you know, the two weeks before Christmas, they were always really good, <laughs> right? <laughs> they were earning their Christmas gift because they were taught, if you're naughty, you don't get presents for Christmas. So they, Dad, do you need me to take out the trash for you? I'll do it. I'll take out the trash for you, Dad. <laughs> mom, 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 you need help with cleaning the house? You know, come on. I'm just, I'm, me and my brothers and sisters, we're not fighting, you know, two weeks before Christmas. But here's the thing. Now, we, we're not completely smart parents in here, but we got some intelligence, right? 
We knew as soon as Christmas Day came and they unwrapped their presents and they got to play with the presents, the next day they were going to back to, I don't want to take out the garbage. I'll fight my brothers and sisters. All Mom, she can clean the house on her own. And even though we know they're going to do that, do we still give them the presents? We know that this good little act is not going to always do it. We sometimes think God does this. I know Chris is going to mess up. I know he's going to mess up. Chris always messes up. So I'm going to withhold the gift of grace for him because I know he's going to mess up. Does he do that? No. We really make God out to be some ogre. I mean, if, you know, we've, we've talked about our grandkids. Your grandma, too. So just. How old is yours now? Is there anything bad she can do to make you reject her? <laughs> no, there is. Well, I mean, it's kind of like this past week. Quinley's getting into like knowing what teases us. Because I'll I'll go up to Queen Quinley and I'll go, "Do you love Papa?" And she'll go, "I love Gigi." <laughs> and, and she does it because she know. And I go, "What? You're supposed to say that?" She goes, and "She'll." And then she'll go, "Papa." I love Gigi, and because she, she knows, okay, I mean, she, and that's all teasing, she better not love you more than me, but anyway, <laughs> but she, now she did it to you, though, too, so, but, I mean, the, in the eyes of a grandparent, can our grandkids do anything wrong, really, I mean, perfection, if she wanted ice cream for breakfast, we gave her ice cream for breakfast, it's, I did not let her play with fire. I played with the fire for her. I wasn't going to let her play. She got, you know, the birthday cake with the smokers? Yeah. She wants those pulled out. She wants them lit. She wants to blow them out. I said, you literally let her play with fire. I handled the fire, okay? I handled the fire part. She just handled the blowing out the candle part, okay? It was, it, so, I mean, I was, I was a responsible grandfather. But we, we lit every candle, by the way, three times. Um. But God, we, we make God out to be this ogre that he is so ready. Jack messed up in that one area. I'm withholding my love and mercy and grace from him. And that's not the way God. Now, sometimes are there bad consequences to our disobedience? Yes, there is. We, you know, we chew out our boss. We, we, we don't control our anger and we chew out our boss. God does not withhold his grace, mercy, and love from us. That doesn't mean the boss isn't going to fire you. Sometimes there's natural consequences to our bad actions. And Pelagian people put that as God's punishing. If I go in and to my boss and I go, you know, <laughs> of all the bosses in the history of mankind, you're the worst one. You're, I don't think you could spell cat if I gave you the C and the A. All right. <laughs> and I go, I know, and I go, and he says, you know, Clayton, that really insulted me. I'm going to fire you. <sighs> I guess God's withholding his love and mercy from me because he let the boss fire at me then. God gets the blame for a lot of stuff, for my stupidity. Or temper. Or temper, or, well, whatever. We tend to think that God is this mean parent, this, okay, you're going to earn it? Okay, there. Oh, you did 
take it back. Nope. Yep. Nope. Take it back. Nope. Take it back. His gift is to us. No matter how much we... But see, Pelagianism also led to the belief that once we became saved, we were capable of never sinning again. That there... That you that you'll never sin again. How did that work out for you? Okay, all right. There are some areas, Lord. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> there are some areas, but Pelagius and also taught that they they see it. They did away with this because. If they agreed to there's preventing grace because preventing grace is working on us in our sins. So they said, no, grace has nothing to do with our sins. We're cooperating grace, but our cooperating grace is merit. And if we have the ability never to sin again, how's that working for us? Anyway? Well, yeah, yeah. I just it, it 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 that's legalism too. Like there's a possible not it's not the other extreme is that well yeah if we're gonna sin let's go ahead and sin. That Paul addressed that you know about shall we say that you know. Well, but we all sin. I folks, I sin. But let's. Five or six. And she struggled with drug abuse and all this stuff. And it was like she was, her nickname was Cat. Don't growing up. Well, it was like she truly had nine lives. There's times she should have died, but somehow she came through. I don't know how she lived to 54. That's the, it's still the prevenient, even in, even in the midst of all that, and let's use Carolyn as an example, through all that time, the Holy Spirit hadn't given up on her. He, he, she had an opportunity to go to Teen Challenge, she turned it down. She had people in her life that were trying to, you know, faith went to before a judge to try to get her 
ordered to rehab and stuff like that. And there, there was prevening grace in her life. She, ch this is where free will comes in, though. The Lord's reaching out to Chris, trying to say, "Chris, I'm trying to get hold of you, man. I'm trying to get hold of you." Chris still has the free will to say no. And that's, you know, Adam and Eve, even before and after the garden, had free will. But there's still, that there's prevening grace, but there is still the ability to say, no, I won't. And even, here's the thing, even after no, I won't, the annoying love of God. The annoying love of God, who just says, I'm not going to... And even me as a Christian, as a person who's in church and blood-bought church, thank God he still doesn't give up on me. <laughs> I just, I, I, that's where I fight the Calvinists because theirs is on the sovereignty of God. And, my, and our emphasis is we, we don't, we're not anti-sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, but God is good. He, he preaches, the, the, the scripture says, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins. He is faithful and just. Even after we've said no a hundred times, that hundred first time we say, you got it. I, the, the the And I know people are critical of deathbed confessions, and we don't know truly the heart of the person who does that dead, that dead Beth conversion. But if their heart is true, <laughs> what? Deathbed conversion. Well, it is. On the deathbed, they convert. I don't know their hearts. People say, oh, yeah, they're doing it at the last minute. But if their heart is truly saying it. Well, and that's my hope for my sister. That in those last few minutes, she did what she needed to do. She knew what to do. It's not ours to judge either. I mean, God knows if that person on, on, at, the, at the last couple seconds of life, they truly did it. I go by scripture. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Even if it's at the last second. Sounds unfair, but it's what? Thief on the cross. Great point. If there's a reason why God. Did he, you, 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 you got saved because you asked for God come into your heart and then for whatever reason I'm at the end of my life I'm in the last five ten minutes of my life and I go Lord I'm sorry and I'm, I'm it's coming from here it's not it's it's truly conversion and he says sorry no then he's not the savior that everything in here is a lie that Max Lucado made a great point one everybody know who Max Licato is Christian writer he made a great point in one of his early books I love Max Licato he's so honest about his own mistakes and he said he was reading an article everybody remember Jeffrey Dahmer right he was reading an article about Jeffrey Dahmer after he died and the chaplain of the prison Jeffrey Dahmer was at wrote it you know Jeffrey Dahmer got in prison he's cleaning the bathroom one day or the bathroom one day and someone comes hits him over the head and kills him with the lead pipe or something like that you know no no he got murdered and the chaplain's talking about it and said boy Jeffrey Dahmer he gave his heart to the Lord in chapel service helping teach the Bible study 
And Max Licato admitted this. And he says, oh, he goes, what? Guy killed and ate people. He was not just a murderer. He was a cannibal. Said, good gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jailhouse confession. And he said the Holy Spirit hit him right between the eyes at that moment. Said, he's going, he can't be. He, he raped, murdered, ate. Three biggies. And he did it multiple times. He said, That's just, I just can't buy that. And the Holy Spirit hit him between the eyes and said, if I couldn't save him, I can't save you. I don't want to know, really. I'm scared. <laughs> I taste horrible. <laughs> That's why I don't take care of my body, so I'm not... Yeah, that's what, and that was the message of the Holy Spirit. If I couldn't save Jeffrey Dahmer, he first goes, "How dare you judge him for me? Leave that to me." Yeah, but he did this. Leave that to me. He said, "If I can't forgive him his sins, whose sins can I forgive then? If there's one that's rejected, then we're all rejected." If there's one that's rejected, then that Bible is a pack of lies. We can't believe any of it then. Now, I'm not saying, don't go over here to Clayton and say, we can't believe the Bible. No, I said, if that's the case, we can't believe it. But it, the Bible, does, he says, I am faithful and just to forgive them their sins. If it's, if it's true conversion, not a fake, but we're not here to judge. Well, Jeffrey Dahmer, he just did it because he was in jail. That's not my place to judge. That is not, the world doesn't need my judgment on that. That's between God and him. If he's in heaven, hallelujah. And I, I just leave that to a just and faithful, all-knowing, all-powerful God. I'm not God. And a lot of our judgments on other people is just to satisfy our own thought process. And you were about to say something, Chris? No. You don't forgive people. God is not going to Well, we, 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 we lose the spirit of God, and, and that's hard. That is so stinking hard. I mean, like I said, Jack bumps into me in the hallway accidentally. It's easy for me to forgive Jack. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, man. I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, yeah, Jack, it's okay. No, I, I forget about it two minutes later, maybe a minute later. You know, that's easy. There are some things that are harder to forgive. Yeah. I'll, I'll even I'll add something to this. Is the counselor coming? Sometimes the cut's not that deep, and we make it deeper than what it should be. Sometimes, because there were some people Jack bumps into him in the hallway, and they go, "He planned that the whole time, didn't he?" You know, sometimes people make it deeper themselves, you know, and that says a lot about us. But this this one scripture I want to I want to read this before we're gone. This is Romans, and it says, "So then, it does not depend on the man who wills." Or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. It's not, de not dependent on you. The sacrifice on the cross was Christ, not us. There's a lot of legalistic preachers who almost preach that we have to go to the cross ourselves. And no, the sacrifice was made. 
And that was, you know, the, the preacher that preached here several years ago, he was talking about, oh, man, you've got to go. You're, you've got to go into the Holy of Holies to get healing and to get salvation. And you, that means you and the priest had to be holy and clean and pure. So you have to be clean and pure before you get all this. That's Pelagianism. Because he it goes against Hebrews because Hebrews says, I'm not the high priest. Who's the high priest? Christ is the high priest, not after the order of Aaron, which was a order that was beguessed with sin, who they had to continually ask for forgiveness because they were men. But Christ is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We're getting into that. That's another time of Melchizedek, who was the priest that Abraham tithed to, who symbolically was a without sin, and. His sacrifice was what? Once and for all. Aaron had to keep going back and going back and going back and going back. Christ, one sacrifice, once and for all. And if it had to be, he had to, and he goes in the Holy of Holies. I don't go in the Holy of Holies. I can't go into the Holy of Holies. But now I, because of Christ. Not because of my own, man. see, that's what, because he's a, you got to be able to go in the holy holy i can't christ but christ goes it's almost kind of like i'm going under <laughs> all right <laughs> i'm under a skirt you know got doing it and stuff you know he's going in for me because he did and if if there's a thing about re-sacrificing then he well, he sacrificed needlessly two thousand years ago it's either once or for all or it didn't happen hit the cross Covered everything. We don't need to keep it. Now, I didn't even get into cooperation. Well, I, I would say that God's love is unconditional. He's made all the sacrifices necessary for us. It's, it, it is a free gift. But I do believe that we, as human beings, struggle with our love for God and our love for ourselves. The struggle's not on God's part. It's on our part. <laughs> the struggle's real, man. <laughs> And he knows that even the top off the toothpaste annoys me and really bothers him. Um, if that's the case, if he really loves me, he's going to try and remember to put the cap on the toothpaste. Go ahead. But if he's in a hurry and he's being selfish, he's not going to do that. <laughs> she adds the selfish in there. <laughs> a little gig in Sunday school. <laughs> She, plant, she was waiting to use that all day, no matter what the topic was. <laughs> it's, it's that we struggle with our love for God versus our selfishness versus God's enduring, never-ending. But e even in the marriage where there's, where, well, even the marriage where there's love, a mistake does not negate the love. I don't divorce you over it. You might want to. I don't know. But no, I mean... It's it doesn't negate the love and the grace in the marriage. So that's, you know, I mean, it, it's but go back to the point you made before that was the struggle is not on God's part. Pelagianism puts the struggle on God, not us. Hey, I earned it, Lord. It's the contract's up to you now, Lord. And God's going. You're telling God what to do. 
<laughs> Struggle's not on my part, mister. <laughs> I'm talking as God. You know, I said, this was put down at the foundation, before the foundations of the world. Before the universe was even created, I laid down this plan. I've got it all settled. You're the one that needs to work this out. He says, now I've got the prevening grace. I said, that's why we have the Holy. Jesus said, I must leave so the Holy Spirit can come. And he does all the, Jack, 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 come on, man. Jack, come on. And Jack may instantly use his free will to go towards that. He may be a little bit more honorary and wait a year or two. But the Holy Spirit, Jack, come on. And then. We'll get into this later, but the cooperating grace then takes over. Once Jack says, you know what, you're right, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus. Then, all right, now I'm beside you. Okay, Jack, let's help with this materialism. Let's help with this or whatever. That's when it becomes cooperating grace, when you're more aware. A lot of times in the prevening, we're not even aware yet. That's the great thing about Jesus. He does not require knowledge at first. The minute you're born as an infant, prevening grace is working in your life. And you don't even know. That's how much Jesus loves us. That's how much. He had every right to destroy the world a long time. The minute Adam and Eve sinned, done. Destroy it. But by his grace and love, and which is all about the goodness of God. He said, I'm like, no. I want to know Chris. I want to know. I'm losing everybody. I want Chris. I want Jack. <laughs> they, they have gone on into outer darkness where there's gnashing of teeth. <laughs> you guys have stuck through, you know. But he says, I just, isn't it that, boy, that's what I want to preach to people. Just, Jesus loves you so much. What can I do to get them saved? I, I, I send them people. I send them messages. Now, that's where free will comes in. I, I'm, I'm not, this does not mean there's no free will. I mean, you could sit there, like I said, you know, give a gift to someone. They don't have to take it. Well, this is where I was going to. I know what you're saying. No, it, it, and it's true. It's well, what Ephesians said: we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It, it is selfishness. It is sin. It is. It is. We are following the lust of the world and the patterns of the world and the prince of. I mean, it, it is. I was going to mention this. This guy's kind of goes across. That's where you know where Jesus said, "Pray, you know, for the harvest." You know, I, I my brother not living for the Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, send people his. Stan is the type that if, a, this is how I really, I'm not saying this is how God needs to do it. This is just how I feel. Stan is very influenced by friends. That's what got him in trouble. I just said, Lord, if it, get one of his friends saved of influence, that'll go a long way. You know, not let God handle it the way he wants to. But I just, I, I. That's kind of me living out the prayer for the heart. Pray for workers of, you know, you know, the, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord will send workers to the harvest. That's, what I, that's prevening grace. I said, Lord, surround him with other believers. You know, I'm his brother. I'm his baby brother. He don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, it's really hard to. It's not impossible, 
But it's, it's, it, it is, well, a prophet has no honor in his own country, you know, so it is, but boy, one of his influential friends becomes a Christian, man, that's going to go along where it would stand. And I just, it, that's where we pray for pre the prevening grace for God. God just, Stan has no interest in going to church, has no interest in things like that. So, but that doesn't mean Jesus is given. It's the beautiful gift of Christ. Even when we don't realize we need his grace, he's showing us grace. It's just opening. Our, remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about the grace of illumination of our eyes being open. We're suddenly, think about when you guys finally click for you guys and you go, whoa, that's a spiritual miracle process. That is what, forget all the, I'm not anti-charismatic gifts, by the way, but forget all those other speaking in tongues, getting slain in the spirit, all that kind of stuff, healing, great, all that. But the greatest one of all, this should bring tears to people's eyes, the most spectacular, wonderful gift of miracle is the day your eyes are open and you go, whoa, I need, there is, there, I don't care how much you speak in tongues, I don't care how much you lay out on the floor, you know, hoop and holler and stuff. The greatest miraculous gift that there is the day your eyes open up and you go, I need a savior and I want Jesus in my heart. I would take that over any of those other charismatic gifts or that. That is, let's not underestimate the miracle of salvation. That it made me mad. I was one, I don't I know, I'm keep, but I was at a church service one time, many of them in the 80s. And a guy finally, we'd been working on this one kid. And he finally went to the altar, and I mean, he gave his heart to the Lord. He, I mean, he was crying. He was, and then they were meet. Not, not, 